Before my father died, he said the worst thing about growing old was that other men stopped seeing you as dangerous. I've always remembered that, how being dangerous was sacred, a badge of honor. You live your life by a code, an ethos. Every man does. It's your shoreline. It's what guides you home. And trust me, you're always trying to get home. Hi everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Yep, I use that, uh, I use that, uh, that little line from that movie called Act of Valor because, you know, as you're getting older, people see you as less dangerous. And I think maybe that's why those four panelists in, uh, in uh, Las Vegas jail let O.J. Simpson out. Maybe they don't see him as dangerous anymore. And, uh, you know, that seems to be what, hey, you know, we just let a double murderer off and let him go home. How come? He didn't He didn't look like he stopped lying anymore. He looks like he's, hey, his lips were moving. He was still lying. His witnesses look like they were lying. But uh, I'm going to vote for to grant you uh, parole. I don't think he's going to exactly get the same thing as what we'd call freedom, but he can't drink. He can't do drugs. He can't, uh, he can't uh, party and have fun. He can't... Uh, uh, I don't. There's all kinds of stuff that he can't do. It doesn't sound like he's going to be uh, loving life for the first five years of it. Um, and if we all, if we all know all Joe, if we all know OJ like we all know OJ, he'll mess it up and he'll be back in jail. So uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about everything else except for OJ that's been going on this week and continues and my opinion of it. But before before we go any farther, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in Southern California, offices all over the place, licensed in California and Arizona, a few states on our, on our way. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one last time, day or night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to call on the phone, you want to do uh, do it the quieter way on the computer. Wait till your government mandated 15 minute break or your government mandated uh, lunch break or uh, so you're not stealing time from your boss. Go to ed, go to uh, WCCLoans.com, www.wccloans.com. Uh, you'll find all kinds of mortgage information there. Uh, go to the uh, uh, the loan center and click apply now. Give me as much information as you want, um, and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either uh, myself or one of my teammates, and uh, we will we will competently guide you towards completing your puzzle. Filling on in all the miss, missing pieces. Let us know how you want to want us to get in touch with you. Please call on my cell phone and call me between 605 and 603 and a half. And, uh, you know, whether, whether it's a, a personal email, work email, cell phone, home phone, telegraph, whatever it is, we'll get in touch with you. Um, hey, go on to Facebook and messenger me. Uh, how do I do that? I don't know. But I see it on there, and I see people are messengering me, but I don't... Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, 
first, you want to email me. It's a lot faster than Facebook messaging me because I know how to open emails. Ed Hoffman at WCCLoans.com. E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N at W-C-C-L-O-A-N-S.com. Um, okay, where did I leave off? If you want to hear something uh, replayed, uh, you can get go on to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, and uh, you can uh, play the play the show and many past shows uh, on demand. And uh, the podcasts are also up on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can subscribe for free. Go there; you can uh, have it automatically download to your iPod, your iPad, your iWatch, your iPhone. Your eyeballs, uh, your computer, every week. Once we upload it, it'll download to your device and you can listen to it anytime it's convenient for you. Follow the show on uh, social media. At Ed Hoffman is where I tweet. Uh, Twitter at Ed at... uh, Let me see if I can stop doubling up. At Ed Hoffman. I seem like one of those guys from Goodfellas. Hey, I'm going to get the paper. Get the paper. So, at Ed Hoffman. That's where I tweet. And if you want to like the show on Facebook... Uh, at facebook.com slash the main event ed hoffman again seems like we could do that somewhat somewhat shorter okay so let's talk about what's going on this week celebrities running for office so i guess donald trump got in there and he uh he opened up he he crashed through the glass ceiling now celebrities can be politicians so uh, now that Donald Trump is president, other celebrities are considering a run for the president for a, for a political office, not all president. This week, a number of celebrities uh, uh, had indicated an interest in running for office rose to four. Let's go through them one by one. The first one is Caitlyn Jenner. Most of us know, remembered her as Bruce Jenner. She may run uh, as a Republican for a U.S. Senate in California. So, uh... Diane Feinstein, our uh, our wonderful senator, uh, is about 184 years old. She'll be running for re-election uh, in 2018, so next year. So now's the time where people are coming out of the woodwork because it's a year and a half to do it. Um, you remember the me- you may remember the media personality formerly known as Bruce Jenner said recently it was easier to come out as a trans as a transgender than a Republican because of how Republicans are being vilified in the media. Now she's announced her interest in running for Dianne Feinstein's seat here in California. And she chose Salem Media Group, station AM 970, The Answer, in New York, to do it. Uh, here she is with uh, with Cat's Rounds Table host, John Katamantidis. I have considered it. I like the political side of it. If there's one thing, uh, I work very closely with a group called the American Unity Fund, that their sole purpose, uh, their mission statement is to get the Republican Party to do a better job when it comes to all LGBT issues. Uh, That's kind of my issue. Obviously, I'm more on the T portion of the LGBT, and I want people to understand that. But the political side of it has always been very intriguing to me. Uh, Over the next six months or so, um, i got to find out where I can do a better job. Can I do a better job? from the outside, kind of working the perimeter of the political scene, being open to, you know, talk to anybody? Or are you better off uh, from the inside? Um, And we are in the process of determining that. And, uh, yeah, but I would look for a senatorial run. Yeah, I I sure hope we get somebody with some name recognition like that to run. Maybe not just that. It's nothing against Bruce Caitlyn Jenner, just... 
I don't know. It just he's uh, he she. Just you know what I think about when uh, Steve Forbes ran for president. I think it was in '92, and uh, there was uh, Steve Forbes and uh, a bunch of other guys, and Bill Clinton and uh, George H. W. Bush and uh, Ross Perot, and there was Steve Forbes in there, and Steve Forbes sure was smart, but he had those funny eyes, looking looking kind of cross cross a. Uh, cross-eyed at everybody and i just go you know what it's hard to li- if you just close your eyes and listen to what he says he makes sense it's just looking at him like that and you know what let's let's not well that's not fair you're right you're right it's not fair but guess what it's it's the world and people are gonna go i'm not gonna i'm not gonna vote for that crazy eye guy and i have a feeling that we may get that same thing with uh Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, Caitlyn has been outspoken about her her goal to change public perception of the Republican Party. And part of that set, part of that, she says, is showing people what conservative economic values really are about. I believe in little things like the Constitution. I believe in limited government. I don't, I don't believe in government. I believe in the people of this country. Give the people of this country the freedom to go out into the workforce without tons and tons and tons and tons of regulations and all the things that go on. Those are the things that I believe. I believe in the people and not, not in massive government. Sounds like she would be a Trump supporter, based on what she just said. One more thing about Caitlyn Jenner, only because it relates to the hypocrisy of the left. The host asked her a great question. How can Democrats claim to support LGBT community while at the same time supporting Muslims who want Sharia law? I totally agree with you. Uh, We're talking about equality for everybody. Actually, this afternoon, I'm going to meet with Nikki Haley, and we're going to discuss the international ramifications of being involved in the LGBT community, and in my case, the T portion of it. Um, yes, around the world, um, yeah, it's very hard to support Saudi Arabia uh, when they when they uh, rather cut your head off. Yes, yes, they uh, they're not very friendly to our community. Yeah, they want to cut your head off. I don't know who that guy is on the radio, but. He has kind of a funny voice. So, you know, hey, you're you're you say you're you say you support the the gays and lesbians and the bisexuals and the transgenders, but you also support the Muslims. But the Muslims want to cut all their heads off. So, you know, can you say conflicted? I know you can. Okay, the next guy that's thinking about making a run for the US Senate uh in Michigan is Kid Rock, another potential US candidate. Kid Rock, the singer from Detroit, who came out as a Republican in 2012 when he uh, campaigned for Mitt Romney. As you probably know, it's hard for Republicans to get the blessing of rock bands uh, when it comes to the campaign theme songs. But Kid Rock, whose real name is Robert Ritchie, we always thought he was uh, Hank Williams Jr.'s son for some reason. I don't know who started that. Um, He was happy to let Romney use his song, Born Free. Yeah, it's uh, not exactly the one about uh, Elsa the lion in Africa, and not quite born in the USA. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, that's Kid Rock. The announcement came uh, via a website, KidRockForSenate.com, which he tweeted this week uh, is for real. He'll be challenging Democrat Debbie Stabenow 
and if he wins, he'll be the first Republican to hold that seat since 1998. Before Romney was the nominee in 2012, Kid Rock supported another good conservative. He talked about it on Megyn Kelly. I like the uh, Herman, or no, the black guy. Uh, Could you be more specific? Ben Carson. Oh, yeah, Dr. Carson. I'm watching him speak. It's just, uh, you know, his, his, his views on political correctness and just, just some of the everyday things. As someone, you know, who lives in small town Michigan. Yeah. Just some of his everyday things starting from there. Just the guy makes a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. And even my buddies, you know, who are Obama fans, when I've played them, just, you know, the national prayer thing, they've been like, wow, guy makes a lot of sense. Who knows what will happen in the future, but, you know, I, I at least dig with that guy, where that guy's coming from. Yep. Uh... I thought I felt the same way when I heard uh, Ben Carson speak for the first time. Who's this guy they're talking about? Made this ruckus at the uh, at the prayer breakfast. Uh, ben Carson. Who's he? Uh, oh, he's he's playing on the. Ra- is, is he standing right next to to Obama when he's saying that? Man, that guy has got some guts. I like him. I like him. I've since met him and got a chance to listen to him speak. And uh, I like Ben Carson. I just think uh, Trump and the rest of the guys kind of sucked all the air out of the room. He's more of a calm, cool, calm, cool uh, guy. Always has something to say, but sometimes uh, just not as aggressively. Uh, his personality just not quite as aggressive. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, also known as Pocahontas, didn't waste any time uh, when she heard about Kid Rock's ambitions this week. She sent off a panicked email to supporters warning Democrats that said, I know a lot of people are thinking that this is some kind of a joke, right? Well, maybe this is all a joke, but we all thought that Donald Trump was joking when he rode down the escalator at Trump Tower and announced his campaign. And sure, maybe this is just a marketing gimmick for a new album or tour, but we all thought Donald Trump was just announcing his, was just promoting his reality store, his reality show too. The email then linked to a fundraiser page where donors can donate to Debbie Stabenow's uh, re-election campaign and another to donate to Warren's own campaign. You know what? I love all the all these very important stuff I'm getting in in the mail, and it it's hey, you're a VIP. We really need to hear from you on this on this issue. What is it? What do you think about this issue? How do you feel? And and I just go right down to the bottom with it. it has that same old. Would you like to donate two hundred fifty dollars or twenty five hundred dollars, or can you do as much as ten thousand dollars? Say so you guys can pay for more of these dumb mailers to go out. So there we have it. We have uh, Kid Rock and uh, we have Caitlyn Jenner. Okay, next, Dwayne The Rock Johnson may run for president as an independent. The movie star and former wrestler has not made a formal announcement, but he mentioned it in in a GQ interview. Never thought of The Rock as a GQ kind of guy. Um, never wears those kind of clothes. More of a more of a uh, shirt off guy to guy. But he mentioned it in a GQ interview and then said said this on Jimmy Fallon in May. I'm so incredibly flattered that uh, you know there's a national poll that that just came out this yeah. past week and like that, by acts by real like real news channels yeah. like real news channels real national poll that brought together Republicans and Democrats and saying that I would beat Donald Trump if we had an election today. <laughs> Absolutely. To become president. And I was, I, I've really been blown away, right? And, and I just, it's so flattering. And I think, you asked the question why. I think it's because, you know, a lot of people want to see a different leadership today. Or, I'm sorry, not different, but a better leadership today. Uh, <laughs> right? A better leadership. 
I think, um, you know, more poise, less noise. And I also think that, um, I think over the years I've become a guy that a lot of people kind of relate to, get up early in the morning at a ridiculous hour, go to work and spend time with the troops, take care of my family. I love taking care of people. And I think that kind of thing really resonates with people, especially today. Yeah, um, you know what? I, I like The Rock. I like The Rock. I like uh, I like the way he, uh, I like most of his movies that he plays. I have never thought of him as president. He seems to be a good speaker. Um, but you know what? If he's thinking about running in 2020, that makes him a Democrat, I think. And uh, hey, we need better leadership. People don't want better leadership. They want they want the perception of better leadership. And most people that are going to listen to a uh, an MTV poll, that kind of stuff, number one, they never ask me because uh, we don't ever answer our home phone number. Our own ho home phone number is just where the uh, alarm goes out if when somebody tries to break in and uh, in the case of an emergency, no cell service and uh, gets us some, uh, some uh, internet. But for the most part, that's where the bill payers, uh, that's where the bill, uh, not the bill collectors, the, the people trying to get donations call. And uh, I guess the people calling, you know, if I see a number that, that it doesn't look familiar, I think uh, caller ID ruined polling for a lot of people. So I'm too busy to deal with that. So um, somebody filed a run, run the rock 2020 campaign committee with the federal election commission on July 9th, making him, him eligible for the 2020 election. So anyone who's running in 2020 is planning on running against Trump. And, uh, you know, I heard a Rasmussen poll, poll this morning saying that highest ever people consider their, their lives happy. 74% of everybody in America they polled says that they're happy or very happy about where their life's going right now. Hmm. I don't know what that says about any. I don't know what that says about anything. I think to me it says, "Hey, I'm comfortable with where which the direction we're going. I'm comfortable. At least I know that we've got a Trump who's focusing on uh on pushing the the Congress and Senate towards the right things that will make our country great again." Okay, number four guy, Mark Zuckerberg. He may run for president, probably as a Democrat, from what I hear. As you can imagine, the Facebook founder is quite liberal, and uh, while he hasn't he hasn't explicitly said he's running for president, there are some hints floating around. One of them was a poll this week from public public policy polling, which finds President Trump in a dead heat with Zuckerberg in a theoretical 2020 election showdown. Now, anyone in politics will tell you that the polls are paid for by the candidates at the time, which raises the question whether Zuckerberg's funded this poll to see whether Americans would would like to see him run for president. What are his positions? One thing we know he loves uh, is the idea of universal basic income. Apparently, he's been promoting this idea quite a bit lately, going back to this Harvard comm commencement speech. We should have a society that measures progress, not just by economic metrics like GDP, but by how many of us have a role we find meaningful. We should explore ideas like universal basic income to make sure that everyone has a cushion to try new ideas. A cushion to uh, universal basic income so everyone has a cushion to try new ideas. Uh, let me tell you what that is. Long word, weird history of basic income and why it's back. In its purest form, 
Basic income is an unconditional periodic cash payment that the government makes to everyone. It is not based on means testing. A hedge fund manager and a homeless person receive the same amount. It has no strings, uh, no strings attached, meaning it carries no requirements to work, attend school, receive vaccines, register for military service, or vote. It is a not paid in kind. Uh, it is not paid in kind housing, food, or in vouchers. It is a floor below which no one's cash income can fail. Uh, questions about how actually how could we could actually implement this policy are abound. Would it be taxable? Probably not. Mortgageable? Jury's out. Uh, and and who constitutes everyone? Would basic income be limited to citizens, or would would other residents, such as the millions of undocumented immigrants who live in the shadows in the U.S., receive benefits? Um, now that you know what basic income is, let me play another clip from uh, what uh, Zuckerberg said. I know a lot of entrepreneurs, and I don't know a single person who gave up on starting a business because they were worried they might not make enough money. But I know too many people who haven't had the chance to pursue their dreams because they didn't have a cushion to fall back on if they failed. Well, they didn't have a cushion to fall back if they failed. They wouldn't try it because they might fail and they might not get to eat. Hey, guess what? The people that I know that went off on their own, they burned their ships. They burned the bridges behind them and they had no choice, but to, but they had no choice. Hey, Failure is not an option, okay? If uh, if Zuckerberg was a, a millennial snowflake, that uh, that he wouldn't have been able to do what he did if he didn't know his mommy and daddy would support him if something went wrong. Boo freaking who, okay? Go after it. The, the America's great not because people have an opportunity to, that they have some basic income so they can fall back. You know what the the reality is is. Well, if I know that if I know that I've got something to fall back on, I won't try hard enough. Let me finish it up with this last little uh, clip from uh, Zuckerberg. We all know you don't get successful just by having a good idea or working hard. You get successful by being lucky too. If I had to support my family growing up instead of having the time to learn how to code, if I didn't know that I was going to be fine if Facebook didn't work out, then I wouldn't be standing up here today. And if we're honest, we all know how much luck we've had to get to this point in our lives. Yeah, I guess so. And all I can say is... Lucky. Yep, I guess he was a lucky boy. You know, don't take Zuckerberg too seriously because Zuckerberg uh, was at the right place at the right time and had a smart idea with uh, the Facebook concept. And, uh, and, and whether it's... If you watch the movie The Social Network, you find out... Was it his idea? Was it somebody else's idea? Regardless, somebody came up with an idea. Somebody ran with it. And I give him credit that he was smart enough to make the thing happen and get it done. And he made billions and billions and billions, gazillions of dollars. But you can't listen to him and he can tell you how life works because life doesn't work that way for anybody else. Sorry. You just don't. That's not how that's not how we build. build. Well, you know, I'm going to decide to give 99% of my stock to uh, illegal aliens to help him or whatever he gave it to. He gave it, he gave it away, but he's got gazillion dollars and he's uh, not even old enough to run for president. Uh, I guess uh, by 2018, he will be, I guess he's 33. So, uh, Hey, uh, that's, that's what that's. Uh, I still have a whole, a whole uh, section to go through before the end of the end of part one. And we've got one minute, 15 seconds left. 
<clears throat> well, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the healthcare fight. If you're having trouble, keep track of where we are on the GOP healthcare bill to replace Obamacare right now. You're probably not alone. It's been a roller coaster this week, starting with the with the news Monday that the vote would be pushed back until uh, Senator McCain was able to get back to work. At that time, we he, he was reportedly was being treated for a blood clot. Sadly, we know now the senator has been diagnosed with aggressive brain cancer. Uh, regardless, his Senate colleagues have been unable to settle on any bill that they can all agree on. And uh, after the break, we're gonna we're gonna talk about what what Trump says about it, and and then what he says afterward about it, and what the senators say about it, and most importantly, what I say about it. Don't go away. We'll be right back with five, after five minutes of traffic, weather, and uh, commercials with part two of the main event. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to part two of the main event. We've been talking about, well, we started talking about healthcare. We were talking about all the all the celebrities that want to run for office in 2018 uh, and 2020. But we finished that. We started talking about healthcare, and uh, and they got to we got to the point where hey, the 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 Republican senators can't pass this bill. They don't have the votes, and the Democrats won't help at all. And uh, here's here's President Trump's uh, comments on Monday of this week. We've had a lot of victories, but we haven't had a victory on health care. Uh, we're disappointed. I am very disappointed because, again, even as a civilian, for seven years I've been hearing about health care. And I've been hearing about uh, repeal and replace. And Obamacare is a total disaster. Some states had over a 200 percent increase, a 200 percent increase in their premiums and their deductibles are through the roof. It's an absolute disaster. And I think you'll also uh, agree that I've been saying for a long time, let Obamacare fail, and then everybody's going to have to come together and fix it and uh, come up with a new plan and a plan that's really good for the people with much lower premiums, much lower costs, and much better protection. I've been saying that, Mike, I think you'll agree for a long time. Let Obamacare fail. It'll be a lot easier. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, we're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We'll let Obamacare fail, and then the Democrats are going to come to us, and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Or how do we come up with a new plan? Yeah, I don't think we need a new plan, but uh, uh, let's continue for a little bit here. Tuesday night, Majority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell gave, the, gave this, pref- this brief press conference where he stated the majority of the Republican senators could not could get behind the option. I've been saying all along a repeal only bill. Well, as I indicated last night, it, there's, it's pretty clear that there are not 50 Republicans at the moment to vote for a replacement for Obamacare. Uh, consequently, sometime in the near future, we'll have a vote on repealing Obamacare, essentially the same vote that we had in 2015. I would remind everyone that in that proposal, there's a two-year delay, a two-year delay, which would give us the opportunity uh, to work out a complete replacement on a bipartisan basis with our Democratic friends. So that's a vote I think we're very likely to have in the very near future. I don't think we need a two-year delay. I think think a uh, six-month delay is plenty. Cancel, cancel Obamacare effectively January 1st. 
2018 and then get on with it. Then Wednesday, the president called GOP senators to lunch at the White House to figure things out. The press was only allowed in uh, for the talk he gave when he arrived. Any senator who votes against starting debate is really telling America that you're fine with Obamacare. But being fine with Obamacare isn't an option for another reason, because it's gone. It's failed. It's not going to be around. We pay hundreds of millions of dollars a month in subsidy that the courts don't even want us to pay. And when those payments stop, it stops immediately. It doesn't take two years, three years, one year. It stops immediately. On the other hand, and I have to say this, a yes vote will let senators debate the future of health care and suggest different ways to improve the bill. And we're going to do that today. That's what we're going to do at lunch. We are so close. The way I looked at it, you know, we have no Democrat help. They're obstructionists. That's all they're good at is obstruction. They have no ideas. They've gone so far left. They're looking for single payer. That's what they want. But single payer will bankrupt our country because it's more than we take in for just health care. So single payer is never going to work. But that's what they'd like to do. They have no idea what the consequence will be. And it will be horrible, horrible health care where you wait online for weeks to even see a doctor. Yes, the, the problem is senators want to keep their jobs. Bottom line, senators want to keep their jobs. So they want to, they say, if we just do repeal, which would be easy because everybody wants to repeal, they just don't know about the replacement. They can't decide on which which way to replace it because it's too confusing, it's too complex for everybody to have the same plan, which is why we have a whole bunch of different insurance companies. Make up a bunch of, get a bunch of insurance companies, then let them sell across state lines and let them come up with a whole bunch of different plans and let everybody pick a plan that makes sense for them. Let them pick their doctor, let their doctor decide what the best way to treat their, their sore throat or their sniffles or their cancer and get the government out of it. Problem is the senators want to keep their jobs more than they want to do their jobs. So... They're worried about, you know, third, one third of every of every of the whole Senate is, gets reelected every two years. So everybody's got a six year, uh, a six year term. And the problem is with if we repeal it, the mainstream media is going to go. These people are going to let people die. They're putting us without insurance. Guess what? We, we weren't without insurance before Obamacare. We had insurance. We had insurance. And of the 10 percent of the people that didn't, half of them didn't want it. Half of the half of the other half were kids that didn't need it. And, you know, the ones that, that really needed the insurance that couldn't afford it, I don't have any problem subsidizing those people. But leave, leave my insurance alone. Let me pick my doctor. Let me get the insurance policy that makes sense for me. I'm not going to have a baby because I'm a guy. I don't need maternity coverage. Parallel this with the student loan debts. Student loans, student loans, guaranteed student loans, federal student loans are going to be the next big bubble after the mortgages. People can't pay these back. Here's my here's my plan. Let the universities write them. Just like, hey, you know what? Fix the car, fix the car business. How does the car business sell their cars? General Motors finances their uh, the they sell their cars and they finance them with uh, what used to be called GMAC. Now it's Ally Financial. Okay, they had their own General Motors Acceptance Corporation. You go to buy a Ford, who do they put you with? 
Ford Motor Credit. You go to see Chrysler, Chrysler Credit. Um, and they finance their own product. So it's kind of hard if, the, if you get a bad product for them to force you to pay because they're the ones that financed it. They're the ones that built it. So why don't we just do this? Hey, have the universities carry the paper on the education. Okay, so if you, uh, if you don't get a job, you don't have to pay it back. If you get a, don't get a good education, you don't have to pay it back. And we're going to finance we're going to finance it because we're the ones getting the money, so we'll finance it for you long term. The tax takes the taxpayers out of it. But what will happen when we come up with this fantastic idea? Thank you very much that I came up with this great idea. What will happen then? I'll tell you what'll happen then. The Democrats will be going, "They don't want kids to have access to college. They're trying to they're trying to hold down the black kids and the Mexican kids and all the immigrants. They're trying to, to all the kids that aren't affluent, they're they're holding them back. They don't want them to have the same opportunities. It's not what I said. You'll still have the same opportunities. But guess what? When the when the university have to have to uh, guarantee those, there won't be basket weaving uh, degrees available. They'll guarantee student loans for, for law degrees and me- medical degrees, engineering degrees, business degrees that where they actually teach you something valuable you can use to forward your life. And if you can't get a job and you can't pay it, then I guess let them let them guarantee it. And if they got bad teachers, they'll get rid of them because otherwise people won't won't go to those schools. The free market is a wonderful thing, folks. People won't buy what people don't want. People won't buy things that are priced wrong. People, if it's not worth it, they won't buy it. So, but realize they don't want to do that because all their opponents will say, they're trying to keep people from being able to get an education. We're going to destroy our country. So anyway, on uh, Thursday, the nonpartisan, getting back to healthcare, on Thursday, a nonpartisan congressional budget office released its findings that the bill, that the bill as it stands would lead to 22 million fewer insured people after a decade. Well, I think, I think that's still less than we're, uh, we're without it with, uh, with uh, Obamacare. Um, while saving $420 billion in spending, so $22 billion, 22 billion fewer people insured after a decade while saving $420 billion in spending. That seems okay to me. On Thursdays, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, our favorite, asked Senator Rand Paul whether he believed that data. When we flash up headlines where the CBO says 32 million people will lose their health care coverage if there's just a repeal, can you explain why that description uh, uh, concerns conservatives who don't believe that's actually an accurate description. It's more choice than just dumping 32 million people off the rolls. Trying to predict the future is a very uncertain sort of guessing game. And I think in the past, you know, the CBO tried to guess how many people would get health insurance through Obamacare, and they were wildly off to the tune of millions off. Now they've said, like, you know, 32, 23, various. Uh, permutations of millions of people will lose it. But interestingly, one of the big premises of why people lose it is they say, if you no longer have the individual mandate, if you don't have to pay a tax to buy your insurance, if you're not sort of bullied by government, that 15 million people wouldn't buy insurance for that one fact. 
Maybe. It's complete guesswork. And so the thing is, is that I think we can put too much stock in guesswork. And to me, it's a modeling and future predictions. It's like astrology. A lot of guesswork goes involved into it. See, the problem is that most politicians don't understand real world, don't understand how people work and how people think and don't take into it, you know, hey, let's just protect us. Cause it's a problem if someone doesn't have insurance and then they hit someone and then the, then no one has insurance and we got to cover this. Guess what? There's regardless of that young kids don't want insurance because they're, they're flexible. They've got young knees and young shoulders and, uh, and young minds and they just don't ever get hurt. Hey, you, you run in, you run into a tree. You, you, you get up off the ground, you rub your head a couple times and you go on. Okay. Us older folks, we run into a tree, we fall down, we wake up in a hospital bed. So I don't know. So, you know, there's certain ages that don't need it, and there's certain people that just are not going to buy it. Hey, if I have a choice of, of, of eating or having insurance, I just don't feel like it's a big enough risk. You know, if I have, if I have a choice of, and I'm not talking about me here, but the young millennials, especially uh, in Washington and Oregon and uh, California starting uh, the beginning of next year, if I have a choice of being able to smoke some weed or pay insurance, I'm going to smoke some weed. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Hey, get real with how these people think. So anyway, that we'll see how that progresses as we go. Uh, summer, summer is traditionally a slow, slow, slow news period, but uh, not with this president. Wednesday afternoon, President Trump summoned the New York Times D.C. Bureau reporters Paul, Peter Baker, Michael Schmidt, and Maggie Haberbin to the Oval Office to get some things off his chest and into the paper. The Times released audio of small parts of the interview, but the entire transcript is online. First, let's tackle the part about, uh, let's first tackle the part of the story everyone's talking about, the president's criticism of his own attorney general, Jeff Sessions. Here he is telling the Times about about his frustration after Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigation. Sessions gets the job. Right after he gets the job, he recuses himself. Was that a mistake? Well, Session should have never recused himself. And if he would, if he was going to recuse himself, he should have told me before he took the job, and I would have picked somebody else. Mm-hmm. He gave you no heads up at all. Mm-hmm. Zero. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Sessions takes the job, gets into the job, recuses himself. I then have. Uh, which, which, frankly, I think is very unfair to the president. How do you take a job and then recuse yourself? If he would have recused himself before the job, I would have said, thanks, Jeff, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to take you. It's extremely unfair, and that's a mild word to the president. I agree. I agree completely. Um, I don't really think, I don't really think he is insulting Jeff Sessions. He just said, hey, you know what? You you backed off because you're worried about what people think about you, but you have a job to run the run the Justice Department here. Um, at one point, the president said that uh, Deputy Attorney General uh, Rod Rosenstein, uh, his appointment of Special Counsel Robert Mueller, was rife with conflicts of interest, not just because of his relationship with James Comey, but also because at one point Trump interviewed Mueller to replace Comey at the FBI. In fact, he was suspiciously appointed. He was suspiciously appointed special counsel the very next day after the interview. In the transcript of the Times of the Times interview, Trump said his reaction to this was, "What the hell?" 
What the? On Wednesday, Rosenstein gave his first televised interview to Fox's Martha McCallum. She asked him about the appointment of Mueller and included some interesting information about the attorneys who were helping him investigate the president. You know, I've explained that uh, I made the decision to appoint Director Mueller and based upon his reputation. He had an excellent reputation, uh, really uh, bipartisan support for his integrity, uh, and that's why I made that decision. So it has come out in some of the attorneys that he has hired that several of them have made donations to Hillary Clinton, to the Clinton campaign. Does that bother you? You know, the Department of Justice, uh, we judge by results. Uh, and so uh, my view about that is we'll see if they do the right thing. So uh, Rosenstein uh, appoints Mueller. Mueller uh, starts hiring all these all these attorneys to help him do his investigation. Mueller is best friends with James Comey. And uh, all of a sudden they're hiring a bunch of people that have, that have supported the Democratic Party and specifically Hil- Hillary Clinton all along. Long time. And uh, understandably, the president thinks that's a problem, but uh, Rod Rosenstein apparently does not. Um, Back to the president's interview, Times interview. Here's what the Times said about uh, Mueller investigating his personal finances. Mueller was looking at your finances, your family's finances, unrelated to Russia. Is that a red one? Would that be a breach of what his actual? I would say yes. Is? Yeah, I would say yes. Uh, by the way, I would say I don't. I don't. I mean, it's possible that it's a condo or something. So you know, I sell a lot of condo units, mm-hmm. and somebody, somebody from Russia buys a condo. Who knows? I don't make money from Russia. Mm-hmm. In fact, I put out a letter saying that I don't make from one of the most highly respected law firms and accounting firms. Um, I don't have buildings in Russia. They said I own buildings in Russia. I don't. They said I made money from Russia. No, it's not my thing. I don't, I don't do that. Over the years, I've looked at maybe doing a deal in Russia, but I never did one. You know, mm-hmm. other than they held the Miss Universe pageant there. And we all remember the president had a formal meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin at the G20 summit earlier this month. But the Washington Post did a story this week that claimed Trump had a second secret meeting with Putin. We weren't supposed to know about. Um, and I remember getting a, a uh, Fox News post and a bunch of tweets that um, Trump had a, an additional secret meeting with Vladimir Putin that nobody knew about. 20 minutes um, after as much publicized, after as uh, much publicized two and a quarter hour meeting early this month with Russian Vladimir Putin at the Group 20 summit in Germany, President Trump chattered informally with the Russian leader for an additional hour later the same day. The second meeting, undisclosed at the time, took place at a dinner for the G20 leaders. A senior administration official said, at some point during that meal, Trump left his own seat to occupy a chair next to Putin, who happened to be sitting next to Trump's wife. Trump approached alone, and Putin was was attended only by his official interpreter. Unfortunately for the Washington Post, this second meeting took place at a long table with dozens of other world leaders and their spouses. So plenty of people were around to hear whatever they said. Here's how the president described it. Toward dessert, I went down just to say hello to Melania. And while I was there, I said hello to Putin. Uh, really pleasantries, more than anything else. Uh, was not a long conversation, but it was, you know, it could be 15 minutes, just talked about mm-hmm. things. Uh, we actually, it was very interesting. We talked about adoption. 
Mm -hmm. You did? Russian adoption. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've always found that interesting because, you know, he ended that years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I actually talked about Russian adoption with him, which is interesting because that was a part of the conversation that Don had. Yeah, so uh, if you've seen the picture, there's a long, long table with chairs and and uh, condiments and uh, centerpieces. And here's a private meeting. And it shows uh, Trump uh, sitting uh, between next to some lady from Japan, the, the, the president's wife, and Vladimir Putin's up three or four seats and uh, across the table uh, sitting next to uh, Melania Trump. And uh, this is a private meeting. I mean the 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 press was in there when they first when they first went in and then they got them out. So hey, let let's all these world leaders let them eat, and they're all having a meal together. This is a private meeting. I don't think so. And of course, hey, he, you start sauntering around afterwards. You start uh, chit chatting with the other leaders. I don't think this. Uh, I don't think this is a big deal. Eventually, the interview segued into last week's controversy surrounding Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting with the Russian lawyer who promised dirt on Hillary Clinton, which, as we know now, didn't deliver. Here's the president emphasizing once again he knew nothing about the meeting before beforehand. I just heard there was an email uh, requesting a meeting or something. Yeah, requesting a meeting uh, that they have information on Hillary Clinton, and I said, I mean. That's standard political stuff. Did you know at the time that they had the meeting? No, I didn't know anything about the meeting. But one of the reporters, Baker, Peter Baker, pushed back. The day you clinched the nomination with New Jersey and California and the primaries and so forth, you give a speech that night saying you're going to give a speech about Hillary Clinton's uh, corrupt dealings with Russia and other countries. And that comes just three hours after Don well, number Jr. Number one, I made... I made uh, People wondered about the timing. speeches. Yeah. I would, I'd go after her all the time. No. I don't think they needed that meeting to have uh, information about her corrupt dealings. But, you know, the, the media is really, really, really reaching. Um, what Trump is saying here is he's made a lot of, lot of jabs at Hillary, so uh, there's no odd or suspicious timing around Don Jr.'s emails with Rob Goldstone on June 7th to confirm the Russian lawyer meeting him and clinching the nomination of California and New Jersey later that day. So here's the part of Trump's June 7th. Um, his June 7th speech uh, in 2016 uh, that Baker was referring to. I am going to give a major speech on probably Monday of next week, and we're going to be discussing all of the things that have taken place with the Clintons. I think you're going to find it very informative and very, very interesting. Whoa, dude. There's a conspiracy coming on. This is going to be this is going to be crazy. He makes he's going to make a speech about that stuff and his son was talking to someone that just called over. I don't know. Seems uh much ado about nothing. The speech uh Trump was teasing uh the speech Trump was teasing to the crowd which ended up being on June 13 had to shift focus because of the Orlando nightclub massacre, uh an act of Islamic terror. Not some event he orchestrated with Russia, but here's how Trump started out the speech. This was going to be a speech on Hillary Clinton and all of the bad things, and we all know what's going on, and especially how poor she'd do as president in these very, very troubled times of radical Islamic terrorism. Even her former Secret Service agent, who's seen her under pressure 
and in times of stress, has stated that she lacks the temperament and integrity to be our president. There will be plenty of opportunity to discuss these important issues at a later time, and I will deliver that speech very, very soon. You know, what I'm wondering is uh, all this stuff keeps coming on, coming on, coming on, coming on, coming on. You, it's, it's almost depressing to watch the news. I, I, uh, I have to admire uh, President Trump for being able to continue forward the way he is and try not to let this stuff get you down. I would be completely frustrated to be in there with this great agenda, with this tremendous cabinet, surrounding myself with tremendous smart people and, and, a, and a great agenda of things that our country really needs and have all this, all this distraction going on. You know, Russia, you want to investigate Russia? Investigate Hillary Clinton. Get all that dirty money out of the Clinton Foundation. Find out where all the money went that people donated to help Haiti. Find out where all that all that dirty money that she got out of everybody went. There's, why don't you just follow the money on the Clinton Foundation, read the book Clinton Cash, or watch the little, the little video Clinton Cash, and that'll give you a roadmap of where you want to start looking. How come they're not looking there? I don't I don't understand understand this, and I'm hoping I think. I think in my eyes, the the Democrats are just trying to keep keep the 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 press in an uproar so we won't have a chance to take a look at take a look at that. We're always defending ourselves when I have time to start playing offense. Hey anyway, folks, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Hope I gave you some perspective on what's happening this week. Go be safe this weekend. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The content of this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01137747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.